Pastor Ray Bentley says a component of the Jewish Passover meal illustrates our lives before Christ. The bitterness of the herbs is like our lives before salvation bitter. Isn't that a great way to describe what your life was like when you didn't have Jesus, when you didn't have the Holy Spirit, when you were in darkness and in bondage to sin, and how much we can remember the bitterness of our former lives uh, before Christ and before salvation. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When we find correlations in the Old Testament that clearly speak of Christ and His coming, we are often surprised. We shouldn't be. God had this thing figured out before a single plan was set in motion. It's no wonder how well the pieces fit together. Today, insights on Christian living from the Jewish Passover Savior. Let's open our Bibles to the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. How many have never been to a a Passover? Hopefully this will be um, very interesting because our communion is a, where we take the bread and eat it, and then we take the cup and we drink of it, representing Christ's body and his blood, is a smaller portion out of a larger Passover Meal, And that's what Jesus was celebrating with his disciples, what we call the Last Supper. So we're in that section in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus was having his last Passover, his last, what we call the Last Supper, and going through a a Jewish uh, Passover meal. And so we're going to talk about that. And then at the end of the Passover meal, there's a very special Uh, section where out of and in the Passover meal, Jesus gives some very uh, powerful new revelation, insight, and the gift that is now given to the church, which is made up of both Jew and Gentile, in whom he now makes one new man. And it's beautiful. And uh, I love, I love this story. Okay, uh, we want to look at Luke chapter 22, and uh, you can see the title of the message is Passover and Communion. So we're going to start talking about Passover, and then we're going to draw out of the Passover meal that part of the Last Supper that we now celebrate as communion. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 23, and uh, here is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. So beginning, let's look at verses 14 through 16 first. It says, when the hour had come, he, Jesus, sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, we'll stop there for just a moment. Um, I want you to notice that Jesus is revealing uh, his love. 
And one of the things we will see that Jesus did on this evening is that uh, he, he loved the disciples by his words. With his words, Jesus loved us. And, you know, that's really where any relationship begins. Uh, you know, wherever a man and woman are drawn together, one of the very first things that happens, other than the attraction to one another, uh, when, when it moves beyond that, it becomes a conversation. And I'll never forget when I met uh, my wife, Vicki, and yes, I was attracted to her and to her beauty, but you know, you can be attracted to various people. It doesn't mean that you're going to be friends or even have any kind of a relationship. But after the initial attraction, and I wanted to uh, get to know her. In fact, I was so scared that actually all I did was kind of stare at her, which I realize is kind of creepy and scary. But um, I had seen her in church. You know, she was, uh, I was in church the first time I saw her. It was, it was in the North Park Theater. And um, I was way in the back you know, kind of over, like on the side. And, and so, you know, at the end of the service, the last song, there's always last song, and so you're singing. And I noticed this one girl that, that got up, she was somewhere toward the front, and she got up and walked, you know, she was on the side. It was like a long rectangular building, and she was on the side and walking all the way back. And I kid you not, everything went into slow motion. When I saw my wife, and she was just walking slowly, and her hair was kind of bobbing up and down, it was flowing, there, you know, music, I heard music. <laughs> I was like, wow, incredible, that girl. And then, you know, there's over a thousand people there, so you go outside, and it's like, where did that girl go? I can't find her anywhere. And it's like, Lord, please, if you've ever answered a prayer in my life, let me find where that girl went. So I can't find her for nothing. So I walk around the corner, and they had a bookstore in the corner. And lo and behold, I look inside. She's in the bookstore behind the counter. Where, that's why she left a little bit early, was to get into the bookstore. Suddenly, I needed books really, really bad. So I went in, but I was too scared to say anything. So I'm just kind of looking at books and kind of looking at her and, go, and never, you know, I never said anything. But then finally, and I was on my way to Bible school, I was even leaving, and I thought, Lord, you let me see this beautiful creature, and now, and now what, you know, I'm going to Bible school. And then come to find out, I go up to the Bible school up in Twin Peaks, and, there were, and, and one of my friends who was going here from San Diego, was the Calvary Chapel of San Diego, said, hey, there's five people from uh, Horizon that are going up to Bible school. I said, wow, cool, so that's you, me, three others. I go up to Twin Peaks, and all of a sudden, there she is. I said, there is a God. <laughs> and he's an awesome God. He's a prayer answering God. You know, I was ready to preach, man. So then I got together with, you know, I said, we need to get the, you know, the people, the five people from the home church in San Diego, we need to get together and pray. Now I had another motive in mind, but God blessed it and honored it. What can I say? So then we would meet, and then sometimes we'd meet in the chapel, sometimes we'd meet outside, and we kind of moved it around, and then finally I kind of just stopped telling some of the others where and when we were going to meet. So then it was just her. She goes, where's everybody else? I go, I don't know, I guess they're not that spiritual. But anyway, let's, uh, you know. But one of the things I do remember about that is we would have these conversations. And for some reason, there was something about her when I met her that I, you know, you can't explain it, but I felt... I, could, I just wanted to talk. And often, I know I'm a preacher, you all think, oh, he just talks all the time. Really, I'm kind of shy, and, and I like to be quiet, you know, and listen to other people and be entertained by people. 
But all of a sudden, when I, when I, it was like I wanted to talk. I wanted her to know everything and what I thought and what I was, uh, you know, feeling and what I liked and what I, you know, and, and, and I wanted to listen to her. So this conversation begins. And that's what, it's words, and through those words and conversation and feeling like somebody that wants to listen to you who is, you know, drinking in everything that you're saying and everything you're saying is interesting to them, no matter how foolish or silly or small it may be. And then we begin falling in love. Now I mention that because that's what Jesus did with the disciples. They first fell in love with him because of his words. In the beginning, now we know that God is love and God loves mankind. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. It's all about, love really is about communication. It is about two separate, different people, opposites, being attracted and drawn together and intertwining in all these marvelous and wonderful ways. And the combination of two different people uh, makes for a wonderful, glorious, beautiful new whole. And so even on, you know, on a natural level, opposites attract, a boy meets a girl, and so they fall in love, and they complement, complete one another. Well, how opposite you know, between God, the infinite, and man, and yet there is something about him that is irresistibly drawn toward us and us to him, and with the disciples, it all, they all began to fall in love with his words. So first of all, Jesus reveals his love by his words. Secondly, Jesus reveals his love by his actions. And so words, you, you, when you hear someone, words that catch your ear and you're fascinated with them and you listen to them, and then they back up what they say by what they do. Now, man, you've, you've got, that's glue. That is cement. That knits you together. Jesus is the only human being that backed up everything he ever said with everything he ever did. Now, we who are his disciples are to grow like him. Being a light and being a witness is all about learning how to communicate the grace and the mercy and the love of God with words, and then to match with our lives actions. And the combination of those things, that's, that's relationship. And that's what it's all about. So Jesus um, told his disciples that he had his greatest, I mean, fervent, his passion, his desire, this is all he could think about, probably for the last six months, uh, was this passion to share this one last Passover. He knows what's coming. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna rise from the dead, and then I'm leaving. I'm going back to where I came from. I'm going to my Father's right hand and I'm gonna be gone for a long time. So this was his last intimate opportunity for conversation and action to show them he loved them. And of course, he, he girded himself with a towel and washed their feet. He loved them, he talked to them. And, and it was before he suffered. And, and the suffering there means the crucifixion and it's gonna be different after that. So he's sharing a Passover meal. Passover was the remembrance of the exodus of Israel from Egypt. But now Jesus is going to give Passover a, an even deeper, greater meaning. He will fulfill a far greater exodus through the cross 
and through the resurrection. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages reach so many each day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the world. I tuned in from England and was able to witness Daniel Bentley's anointing as pastor. What a legacy Pastor Ray left. Well done in raising up a son such as this. Pastor Daniel is continuing the work the Lord gave Ray decades ago. We watched Daniel preach following the anointing, and there is no doubt whatsoever the Lord's hand is on him. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio. If you'd like to write a message, send an email to ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So true love is humbly serving others. So we know that Jesus got up, he girded himself with a towel, he washed the disciples' feet, including Judas. And toward this last evening of Passover, ironically, uh, here is Jesus who is preparing to suffer and preparing to die on the cross. And ironically, the disciples, even now, even up to this last moment, are arguing among themselves, who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And um, two of them, apparently on the road on their way to this last Passover, James and John, their mom comes to Jesus. And you know, you know moms, they, they, nothing can rival the love of a mom for her children, right? And especially a Jewish mom for her boys. My boys, Jesus, Rabbi, please. You know, James and John, I know that please, you will have a wonderful place for my boys. I mean, she was like the original stage mom long, long ago. She wanted to make sure her boys had a right place and a right position there. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, but at the same time, they don't realize, I guess in their minds, they heard, oh, he's gonna suffer, he's gonna die, but they'd seen his power, he'd raised people from the dead, demons are screaming and running away, the wind and waves obey him. At some point, it'll probably be a temporary little, uh, you know, suffering deal that he'll go through, but then surely, we won't be long until he manifests that burning glory and power and Romans are falling down left and right and the kingdom bursts out upon the earth and, and then what is, where's our place gonna be? Where are we gonna sit? Who's gonna be the cabinet? And um, so it's interesting that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse five, Peter learned a lesson. He says, uh, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. When he talked about humility, Peter said, clothe yourself. I wonder if Peter was remembering the night that he and his brothers were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom while Jesus was wrapping himself with a towel like a common servant, getting down on his hands and knees, washing the disciples' feet before he went to be nailed and crucified on the cross. That is true love is when we serve one another. Now look with me in verses 17 through 23. It says, and then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. 
But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. So here we have uh, the communion uh, supper, the Passover meal between the Lord and the disciples. So I want you to, let's start uh, with what are they thinking on that night? Well, they had been celebrating Passover for many years, Jesus now uh, for 30 plus years. They're remembering the Exodus, what happened when they were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. The story of the Exodus was to remember the power of God to deliver a nation and literally in, in a day. By the, by the plagues took some time, but finally it was on Passover. It was on that night. The death angel went and there was blood on the two doorposts and on the lintel beam, the Old Testament picture of the cross. And on that next day, Pharaoh had had it and said, go, as all the firstborn sons' lives were taken. And uh, the power of God, God, how many of you know that God is a powerful God? Powerful God. He loves, and by the way, he loves to use his power to deliver. He loves to deliver. And he loves that his name and his character are honored, especially through the earth, where he's made man in his own image after his own likeness. Now, Leviticus 25, verse 10 says this, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants, it shall be a jubilee for you. So there's something about the idea of jubilee, which is associated with the number 50, which is very powerful and significant. God has done things in, in, uh, on 50-year increments for the last 4,000 years. But it was a time to proclaim freedom, liberty, and how much, you know, the Jewish people who've been under the thumb of the Romans, there's Roman soldiers everywhere, they are brutalizing the people and the Jewish people and, and they have been uh, just, uh, you know, horrifically uh, putting many Jewish people to death and how they wanted to remember that there was a day when God delivered us mightily and powerfully. And so that meal on that night was remembering the power of God to deliver. Now in the meal, I'm, I'm not gonna go through all the details, but part of it is they've got bitter herbs as part of the meal. And they also have salt water. And there's some things you know, that you, you dip into the salt water. All of this has amazing significance and meaning. The bitterness of the herbs, and by the way, it's all a type of our own salvation. The bitterness of the herbs is like our lives before salvation, bitter. Isn't that a great way to describe what your life was like when you didn't have Jesus, when you didn't have the Holy Spirit, when you were in darkness and in bondage to sin, and when you were in the world and you were in, lost? It's bitter. How many of you remember the old bitter days? So uh, he wanted them to remember. Do you remember how bitter it was when you were slaves? And how much we can remember the bitterness of our former lives uh, before Christ and before salvation. Then the salt water, you take some uh, you know, parsley or some green things, you dip them in this salt water. And this represents, the salt water was to remind them of the tears 
Can you imagine 400 years you are a slave, you were born a slave, your mom is a slave, your, your dad is a slave, your brother is a slave, your sister is a slave, all of your cousins are slaves, your grandparents are slaves, and their parents were slaves. Our country is just a little over 200 years old. We're still a young country. They call it an experiment, this democracy thing. But it's still, you go back to the Civil War, that seems like a long time ago. Revolutionary War, that's a long time ago, 1776. That is nothing. These people had over 400 years. Their identity was that of being slaves. And so the tears, I mean, where's the hope? What do you have to pass on to your children? What do you have to, to give to them, uh, to offer them excitement about their future? Uh, not much. And then you are trying in the midst of being in the middle of generations of slavery about telling them, now there is a God who our father Abraham left, the Ur, you know, Ur of the Chaldees, and he was gonna show him to a land, but we've been here for 400 years. But there is a promised land coming. And how you would try to instill faith into those poor little children's lives and how many tears there must have been. The salt water was to represent tears of repentance. And they remind us of our tears of repentance before we came to Christ. Then finally, when they cross the Red Sea, they have, that's a picture of your baptism. And right now we are wandering in the wilderness of the world, awaiting our entrance into the promised land. One day we will come to our Jericho, which is, a, you know, that's on the edge of the promised land. And, and you know what Jericho is? It's an oasis. It's an oasis in the midst of the desert. We have, look, we have everything to look forward to there. Now, Promised new life and a new kingdom by Jesus, and as I mentioned here in your notes, whose name in English is Joshua. Um, uh, we, his Hebrew name is actually Yeshua. The English form of that is Joshua, and Jesus is actually an English transliteration of the Greek letters that are found in the oldest uh, New Testament manuscripts, Jesus. And so we have a J instead, so we say Jesus. So who was it that led the children of Israel finally? Moses led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, but who was it that actually led them into the promised land? His name was Joshua. And Joshua is Jesus. Yeshua is Joshua, and the name Yeshua means God is our salvation. God is our salvation. You shall name him Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. So even as Israel had a Joshua lead them out of the wilderness into the promised land, we have a Joshua, Jesus, who will lead us. How, how many would agree this world is a lot like a wilderness? Does it ever feel like a wilderness? We're wandering around and gets dry and seems like we're going in circles, but the day will come he will lead us on into the promised land even of heaven. Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out how clearly we can see Jesus in the Jewish Passover meal. And he'll have more insights for us next time here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled Passover and Communion. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. 
three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.